for joining us today at Victory Church, where we pray big prayers to a big God and we expect big results. If you have any questions or want to learn more about who we are, visit us online at victory.church or download our mobile app. Now, let's check out this week's message from our Edmond Campus pastor, Wade Smith. Welcome, Victory Church. How are we doing this morning? I want to welcome those online. Can you help me welcoming the online audience today? And Oklahoma City. We love you, Oklahoma City. Can we welcome Oklahoma City campus? We just love you so much. We're thankful. We're thankful for you. I want to honor Pastor John. Aren't you thankful for our lead pastor and Pastor John? He's watching today. We're so thankful for you, Pastor John. We love you. We're excited that you've gotten a couple weeks off. And he's back next week. Aren't you ready for that? Also, uh, Pastor Oscar. Did Pastor Oscar preach an amazing sermon last week? Can we thank Pastor Oscar for that message? Thank you so much, Pastor Oscar. I love you, brother. And it's an honor to be able to preach uh, today. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Wade Smith. I'm the Eben Campus Pastor. And it is such a big honor for me to be here with you today. Today we're starting a new series uh, that's going to carry us through this Christmas time. Can you believe Christmas is already here? How many of us put your, your let me be honest with me, you put your tree up three weeks ago. Come on, there's a few hands, come on. I saw Christmas people, you started listening to Christmas music about a month ago. Anybody like that? Come on. That's what I'm talking about. Thanksgiving, did you, did you eat way too much? Yes. Oklahoma City, did you eat way too much turkey? How many of you have been eating leftovers for like the last several days? I mean, turkey, come on, amen. Well, today, we're going to be beginning this Christmas series, and it's called The King is Coming, and we're going to be walking through the topics of, of Advent, and so many topics that, that I think are really timely for our church right now, for our world right now. We'll be talking about love, we'll be talking about peace, we'll be talking about joy, and today, the topic is hope. Now, if there's something I think the world needs right now, it's hope. If there's something that, that people are looking for right now, it's hope. Why do you think people are putting up their Christmas trees? I mean, this is over Facebook. You see people putting up their Christmas trees weeks in advance. We're looking for something. We're looking for hope. And this morning, I'm not normally a 4.30 in the morning kind of any. 4.30 in the morning, people. I'm not that. That's not me. And, uh, but I woke up at 4.30 today, and so I've had a couple Red Bulls, so I'm ready to go. <laughs> not a coffee drinker, but I'll take some Red Bull. And, uh, and as I was up this morning at 4.30, I began to pray, and I was, I was really burdened, if I'm going to be honest, that there's somebody, whether you're, you're here in Edmond or you're right there in Oklahoma City, and I really feel like maybe someone that's online specifically, that you've lost your hope. You're hopeless. If 2020 has done a really good job, what it's done a good job of is stealing our hope. And as I talk to people, and, and Pastor John talks to people, and Pastor Oscar, and all the staff, as we begin, as we talk to people over the last several weeks and months and this year of 2020, it's not that one thing did it. 
It's that it's been one thing after another, after another, and after another. And at some point, the enemy has done a really good job of stealing our hope. But we have to protect our hope. Because our hope's not found in this world. Our ho- we'll talk about this later. Our hope's not found in this earth and earthly things, but our hope is found in Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful for that today? Yes. Yes. Oklahoma City, aren't you thankful for that? And so as I've been praying, I've been praying this verse over you, and it's, found, it's our foundational verse today. It's found in Romans 15, 12 through 13. And here's what it says. It says, Romans, it says and again, Isaiah says, so, so Paul is referencing the prophet Isaiah it says, a root of Jesse will spring up. This is Jesus he's talking about. One who will arise to rule over the nations. Did you realize it's not a president who rules or a king who rules? Jesus rules. It says, he arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will have hope. And so he's speaking to you and I. Because God came not just for the Jew, but for the Gentile. And so we're Gentiles. So he's literally speaking to you and I right here when he says this. May the God of hope, say the God of hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. Say overflow. That you may overflow with hope by the power of of the Holy Spirit. So my title of today, I've got two titles today. The first title is this, is Hope Overflowing. I don't know about you, but I need some hope overflowing. I want to have so much hope that I overflow. So that leads to my second title. You choose which one you like. The second title is this, is Let It Flow. Say, let it flow. I feel like I'm almost kind of singing. What is that? Is that, uh, what's that song? Let us, is it Let It Snow? Is that what it is? Let It Go. (laughs) Let us know. (laughs) Let it flow. Let hope flow. Come on. We just need some hope to flow, people. I want hope overflowing that it flows out of me and begins to flow on those around me. That's what the church is for. I'm preaching my message before I get to my message. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we are so thankful for your presence. God, we're so thankful for your anointing. We're so thankful for uh, your hope, the hope that is found in you. So God, I pray over the next several moments as we're together today, God, I pray that you would speak, God, that my words would be your words, God. And I pray that, God, that it would pour out on people, God, people that have lost hope or those of us that our hope is just kind of barely hanging on, God, I pray that you would give us hope overflowing in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, I've got three points I want to get into this very quickly because I have a lot. and I I should be done here in about three hours. First thought today is this. Hope overflowing is patiently persistent. Hope overflowing is patiently persistent. So I want to talk about these two words, patient and persistent, because I think these are critical to our hope. The first is, how do we hope? We hope patiently. Now, I don't know about you, but if we have any patient people in the house, come on, just be honest. If you're patient, like I see a couple people raising their hand and their spouse is like, uh-uh. Oklahoma City, I know someone's probably pulling the hand down like, you're not so patient. You act like you're, you think you're patient, but you're not so. I, I think that we live in a world that's ruining our patience. We have, I like to call it, Access 
to excess. We have access to excess. We can get anything we want right now. I mean, you can literally, like some of you are acting like you're on version, taking notes, but you're buying a Christmas gift right now on Amazon. Let's just be honest. Brandon, I called him out. We have access to excess. I mean, you want to watch a show? You've got, you know, you've got Amazon Prime. That comes with the Amazon delivery, so that's just a good package. You've got to have that. You gotta have Netflix because they got their Netflix episodes. You can't miss out on that. And then Disney Plus just came out with something. And we've got all these, you know, the, I mean, you're paying more money than you're paying cable on Netflix or on your streaming services. You're trying to save money, it's not working. We have access to excess. My, my kids, we wanted to watch a Christmas show last night. And so we started to look through and we searched and we found out it was only found on regular television. Regular television has commercials. We decided to not watch that show and watch a different show. My three-year-old, he doesn't understand uh, commercials. I mean, he just, I mean, they grow, listen, the kids today, they're growing up with touch screens. They're growing up in a world of, of, we have to teach our kids to be patient. Some of you are judging me right now, and I feel it. I feel you judging me. I feel the judgment. Listen, I'd love your advice. You can uh, email us to oscar.ortiz at victory. <laughs> Dot church. Oscar, I'm so sorry, brother, I had to. But the truth is we have this access to excess. We can get anything we want right now. Listen, I love Amazon, but I, well, you know what I'm really thankful for? I think it's, it's kind of a holy thing, and that is Walmart's online grocery shopping. Before you could shop online and just pull up to a spot, and listen, the, uh, I always feel bad when a 19-year-old girl comes out and starts putting, you know, groceries in my truck, and I should be out there helping her, but, you know, I, I just put worship music on, glory to his name. <laughs> but listen, you don't even have to grocery shop anymore. You know, I, before, before it was online grocery shopping, I actually spent more time calling my wife, asking her where the stuff was located, than I did actually shopping for the stuff. I mean, I had, I mean, she just, you know, she knows the store. Back, like you, you moms, you know the store. You know, you set up your list according to where you're going to go. At what, at what point, amen. I didn't do that. I just went, and I spent myself, I was walking around that store. I got my calories in, get my steps in. But now all I have to do is, my wife orders it. She tells me to be there at 2 o'clock. I show up at 2 o'clock. I pull up. 19-year-old comes out. I put on my worship music. It's amazing. Access to excess. The problem is, is that we're treating God like Netflix. And we want God to show up, and we want God to do something, and I believe that he will, but we, sh but we, we expect it immediately. And we pray, God, would you... Heal me, God, would you take this away? God, would you fix my marriage? God, would you do these things? And then it's like, where's that? See, true hope, it's not immediate. True hope happens in patience. We have to hope patiently. We have to practice patience. See, you don't have control over the timeline. 
The truth is, is that we, we want control of that timeline, don't we? I, I do. I want control. My job isn't to control the timeline. My, t- my job is to, to be patient in the process. Because maybe, listen, maybe there's something that you're going through right now that God is doing something in you. And he wants to do something through you. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. He wants to, to do something through you. But before he can do something through you, he's got to do something in you. He's got to work in you. And sometimes it's when he's working in you, you've got to be patient. And patience is not fun. It's not. Patience takes time. And I don't like it. Romans 8, 24 says, For for in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. For who hopes what they already have? You can't hope for something that you already have. It takes time. You're only hoping for something. Some of you are hoping for your marriage because your marriage is struggling right now. Some of you are hoping for your child because your child is, is, is acting crazy right now. Some of you are hoping for for a family member or you're hoping for a healing and it may take time, but I'm just telling you, you have to be patient in the process because in the process, God is doing something. So when it comes to pass, he can use you. But you have to be patient. See, hopelessness exists in the realm of what is seen. I prayed for this. I've been to church every week. I've done everything I know to do and I still don't see you at work. Happens in the realm of what's seen. Hope exists in the realm of what we cannot see. Hope exists in the realm of understanding that there's a God. Listen, if you want some hope today, you have to realize this. Whatever you're going through, there's a God in heaven working behind the scenes right now for your good, for your benefit. He's got something good for you. We can thank him for this today. But it happens where we cannot see. And so what do we do in the process? How do we act in the wait? We wait patiently. We wait patiently. And we don't lose our hope. We protect it. We protect it. This week, um, for those of you who don't know me very well, I've passed a lot of kidney stones, and I thought that that season was over. And I ended up in the hospital last Saturday, not, la- not, the, not yesterday, but the, de- the Saturday before, passing two more kidney stones. Now, I've used this joke before. Some of you grosses you out. I'm going to do it anyways. If I would have known and had much the foresight, I would have saved the stones to make a necklace for my wife. <laughs> I didn't have enough forethought for that. But I've passed so many stones, and I thought, you know, I've had so much hope that I wouldn't pass these again. And, and, and I found myself in the hospital on Saturday. And I remember I was sitting in the, um, in the emergency room, and they were so full. I mean, it was packed. And so I only went to a spot. I didn't have my own room. I had the room with the curtain right next to me. You ever been in that room in the hospital? So the, hurt, the person could hear me. And I had this moment. I was really kind of having this moment of of feeling like, you know, I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to preach next week. And I started to, 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 to lose my hope. And what I realized is the enemy's really good at stealing your hope. And isn't it like the enemy that if I'm about to preach on hope, that he would want to steal my hope? Because how can you preach on hope if you have no hope? 
How can you tell someone about, listen, how can you tell someone about hope if you have no hope? And so I'm sitting in the hospital room, and, and listen, by this point, I've got medica- a lot of medication in me, so it'll make sense why, why I did what I did. But I'm sitting in a hospital bed, and I had this moment when I started to speak to the enemy. Now, the person next to me, he just got all of it, like he got to hear it all. I'm preaching in the hospital. It was good. It was better than it is today, actually. <laughs> and I'm sitting there. And I'm having this woe is me kind of moment. You ever been there? Christian woe is me. And I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I have this moment where I'm like, no, I'm protecting my hope. So with just a little curtain between me and this person, I started to say, enemy, you will not steal my hope. I'm sure, I'm not sure what that guy, that guy was like, who are you talking to? (laughs) Sometimes we have to say, enemy, you will not steal my hope. I'm just going to be patient in my hope. I'm just going to be patient. You're not going to move me. And no matter how bad it gets, I'm going to be patient. The other thing we hope in is that we don't just hope patiently. We hope persistently. Because hope is best expressed in pain and uncertainty. Think about it. Anytime you're hoping for something, it's usually when something difficult is happening. And if there's something that we can define 2020 by, I would say it'd be pain and uncertainty, wouldn't you? Oklahoma City, I would say for some of you, it's been very difficult and very painful. And I've talked to person after person after person that's experienced pain and experienced uncertainty, and we're all looking for hope. So we hope patiently, but we have to hope persistently because we don't just sit back and just wait, but we have to be persistent in our approach. In fact, persistent, the definition means to continually, to con- to continuing firmly in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. That no matter what is in front of you, that no matter what comes, listen, I know this isn't very hopeful, but it may get worse. Your situation may get worse before it gets better. Now, I hope I know I'm supposed to be preaching a message on hope, but it's not very hopeful right now, and I'm sorry for that. But I have to be honest with you because your situation may not get better. It may take some time. In fact, we see Abraham. Abraham received a, a promise from God. You ever received a promise from God and you just wanted it immediately? Access to excess. God, I want it now. And Abraham gets a a promise from God that he's going to have a son with Sarah. He's 75 years old when he gets this promise. And here's what it says in Scripture. This is Paul in Romans referencing the way that, that Abraham hoped. It said this, because he didn't receive it immediately. It took 25 years before he received the promise. And here's what it says. It says, Abraham, it says, even though there was no reason, there was no reason for hope. You ever felt like that before? Some of you, if you're just honest with yourself, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because it's too painful for you to talk about right now. But but if you're really honest in Oklahoma City or online or right here in Eben, you feel like there's no reason to hope in your situation. Abraham received a promise, and he's waiting 25 years. And it says, 
And it says that. It says, it says, even when there was no reason for hope, here's what he did. Abraham kept hoping. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations for God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. Even though at the time, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Can I encourage someone today that it may not feel like there's a reason to hope? It may feel like it's dead, but you just need to keep hoping. You just need to keep hoping. You need to continue to put your hope in Christ and not this situation. Continue to get your eyes off what is seen and put your eyes on what is unseen. Realize that you serve a God who sees you right now in the middle of your pain. Someone you feel like God's left you. You feel like he's forgotten you. And what he's saying to you right now is, I see you right now. I see your pain. I see your struggle. I see your hurt. And I'm with you. And here's what's really hopeful to me is that even though it was 25 years, it still came to pass. Three decades later, it may feel like it's going forever, but I'm just telling you that if you'll keep hoping, you'll see it come to pass. But you just have to keep hoping. You know, the prerequisite for a resurrection is a death. Some of you feel like, look, I'm just, I'm getting real, and I, I sense the, because it's real for you. And some of you, someone's sitting in Oklahoma City right now, and you feel like your hopes, your hope has died. You feel like your future has no hope. You feel like your marriage is dead, or you feel like your finances, you feel like your job situation, it just feels dead. The, cool, the great thing about God that we serve is that the only thing that's a prerequisite for that resurrection is that something dies, so you're set up for something really good right now. You get to see God work. And for God to get the glory and for God to get the honor and for God to get the praise, maybe something first has to die so that, so that the world can see a resurrection happen in your life. Lazarus, you know the story of Lazarus. Lazarus dies. Mary and Martha run out to Jesus and they tell him, they tell Jesus, they say, the one you love is sick. Now, the fact that they said the, lo- the one you love means he had an intimate relationship with him. They cared, he cared for him. The one, that's how they referenced him. The one that you love is sick. And you know how Jesus responded? It didn't even say what he said. It says, so he stayed there three more days. Does that feel very loving? Does that feel very hopeful? I mean, the one you love is sick, so we stayed there three more days. But what you have to understand about God is he was doing something. He was behind the scenes, in the unseen, figuring something out, saying, I'm about to do something good. Because they had seen miracles before. They had not seen a resurrection They had seen Jesus perform miracle after miracle and healing after healing. They had not seen a resurrection, so they were about to show 
Jesus was about to show them something brand new, but it required a death. It required that something died. So he stayed three more days. Now, what you have to understand culturally in this time, three days meant something. Jesus knew this. So one day there was still hope because what they believed was on the third day that the spirit would leave the body. Okay? So day one of, of Lazarus, Lazarus being dead, there's still, you know, there's still opportunity, there's still hope. Day two, oh, it's, it's not looking very good, but things can still work. Day three, it's over. It's over. How many of you guys feel like you've been in a situation before where you feel like it's just over? Can we be honest? This is Victory Church. You can be honest in this place. You can't lie in church here. You ever felt like it's just over? You ever felt like my situation's over? That there's no chance for this anymore? That's how they felt. And I'm sure that they were hurt. And I'm sure that they were upset, but Martha continued to have hope, persistent hope. Because here's what she says to Jesus, John eleven twenty one. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She's letting him know her pain. She's being real with God. First of all, let me just a side note. You can be real with God. He wants, he wants an actual relationship with you. You don't have to be fake. You don't have to come with the right words. You can just say, God, I don't like this. I don't feel like this. I don't have hope in this. But she didn't just stay there. That's the danger. The danger is whenever you come to God, you're like, I don't like it. And that's when bitterness sets in. But if you'll continue to hope in your pain, if you'll continue to hope when you're upset, if you'll continue to pursue God, even when you're mad about it, God can do something. So he says, so Martha says, but I know that even now, say even now, that I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Even now, no matter how painful it gets, no matter how dead it seems, no matter how bad my future feels, no matter how bad 2020 gets. Listen, I stopped saying what else is going to happen in 2020 like three months ago. You like me? I mean, at the beginning of 2020, it's like, oh, that's not good. Oh, that's not good. What else is 2020? I stopped saying it. And I've talked to friends. I've got a friend of mine whose wife's in the hospital right now by herself. By yourself, and that's the way that people are right now. If they're sick, if they have COVID or they're sick of anything else, if they have to go to the hospital for anything else, they have to be by themselves. We need to be praying for the people in the hospital right now and for the nurses and doctors. But if you'll continue to hope with persistency, if you'll be persistent, persist, persistent in your hope, God can do something even now. I just, I just believe in even now over all of you today online at OKC, and even now, somebody walked in hopeless, I'm just telling you right now, even now, it feels dead, God can resurrect it in the name of Jesus. But we continue to hope, we protect our hope. We have moments where we sit in the hospital room, we don't care what anybody else thinks around us, and we say, enemy, you're not stealing my hope. You're going to be driving down the road, and you're going to be talking to yourself and looking like you're crazy. I know Brandon does it.
man, there's moments where I'm, I'm driving down the road and I look like a crazy person. Imagine that. My hands are off the wheel. I'm worshiping Jesus. Jesus, take the wheel. Second thought is this. Hope overflowing is confidently contagious. Confidently contagious. How do we hope? We hope confidently. 2 Corinthians 1.7 says, And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. This word hope is elpis. It means expectation or confidence. This word firm is babeos, and it means this, firm or for, steadfast or sure. See, in the Greek, in, in the, in the, um, in the, Hebrew and Greek, this word hope is far more um, concrete than it is in our, our language. Hope in our language oftentimes can be used as wishful thinking, and that's how, it's, that's how, it's, that's how we use it most of the time. You know, we, we ask questions like, how's your marriage going? Well, I'm just hoping my husband gets his head on straight. I say a couple Wives going, uh-huh, I do. How's your job? I'm just hoping to make it another week. We use this language, don't we? How's your life? I'm just hoping to make it another year. How's the thunder going? We'll just leave that one right there. It's kind of wishful thinking. It's like, I just, man, I just hope, woe is me. I just hope I can, I just hope I can make it. Can I tell you that the world doesn't need a bunch of Christians walking around thinking, I just, I just hope I'm just going to make it. I just hope I can get through it. No, no, what the world needs to see is the world needs to see Christians walking around confident and sure in the God that they serve and what he said he will do. The world's watching us. I don't know if you know this right now. The world is watching us right now. If there's a time, we have a window, we have a window where we can bring hope. And the world is watching us. How will we, what will we look like? What will we show to the world? Will we be wishful thinkers? Will we be confident and secure? I love the way the amplified version says this of 2 Corinthians, the same verse, 1-7. One, one it says, and our hope for you, our joyful and confident expectation. Yeah. I love that. Our joyful and confident expectation of good for you is unwavering, yeah. assured, and unshaken. For we know that just as you share in our partners in our suffering and calamities. Aren't you just, let's just stop there. Aren't you thankful that he shares in our sufferings and our calamities? Yeah. You also share and are partners in our comfort, consolation, and encouragement. Listen, that we are sure in that what, who God says he is, he is, and what he says he will do, he will do. And if he has given you a promise, he will deliver on that promise. If he's, if he's shown you something the word, he will come through on the word. He has not failed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not failed, and guess what? His plan is not to fail with you. But we have to hope. We have to continually protect our hope. The second thought is this. We hope with confidence. We hope contagiously. 
Now, I know that this kind of sounds like a part of the message that I'm preaching about COVID right now. It's contagious. It's highly contagious. But you know what's just as contagious or maybe high, more highly contagious than COVID? Hope. Hope is contagious. You ever been around someone who has hope? Like, I want to be around people who are hopeful people. My dad's one of those guys that he is just an optimist. Anybody know someone like that? I mean, my dad, it can be the worst day, and my dad is just going to tell you why it's awesome. I mean, if he has something to eat, it's not even that good. It might be a TV dinner. He's like, this is the best TV dinner I've ever had in my life. That's where I get it a little bit. My dad is, is, is a hopeful person, and it's contagious. I want to be around contagious people. Can I remind us that the church is the hope of the world? Listen, the church is the hope of the world. The church, the world right now is looking to something, is looking somewhere, and it's looking at the church, and it's saying, who are they in this time? Are they patient? Are they persistent? Are they confident? Are they contagious? I'm just telling you right now, the hope of the world is the local church. I mean, let's not rely on a president or a, or a government to do our job. Man, if you see a need, fill it. If you see someone hurting, help them. This is what I love about Victory Church. We're radically generous. We steward God's resources well and with radical generosity. Why do we do that? Because we want to share the hope of Jesus Christ to people. And sometimes it's a Thanksgiving meal. And sometimes it's a handshake. And sometimes it's a greeter walking, greeting someone walking through these doors. We want to share the the message of hope of Jesus Christ. This is why we launched ministry after ministry, like the city center who's making a difference in our community, changing kids' lives. Kids that have no hope or no reason to hope. We think we have no reason to hope. Some of these kids come from difficult situations. And they walk into the city center and they experience hope. Or Project 31 that we give to Sarah McLean's here right now that she walked through cancer herself. Now she's able to help women that walk through cancer. How amazing is it that, that her story and her life didn't end with a tragedy, a tragedy, but now she's able to use that to help the people around her. We carry hope, whether we like it or not. What are we going to let our story be? Come on, I'm getting excited. What's our story going to do? Are we going to let the pain and the suffering produce something that actually produces some hope in some people's lives? I love this in 1 Thessalonians 1. Paul's writing to the church in Thessalonians, and he's, he's telling them, he's basically writing to them, thanking God for them. And here's what he says, one, two, through, uh, 2 through 8. He says, we always thank God for all of you continually, and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember God, remember uh, we remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love. I love this part. And your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. 
For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with what? Power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of our Lord, you welc- for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering. What you have to understand is he's writing to people right now who are suffering, who are in pain, like our world right now. And he says, by your endurance, because of your hope, you had endurance. And here's what it does. Listen to this. It says, and you became the model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only to Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Everywhere. Because of the way that you suffered, because of the way that you continued to hope, because of that, it's spread to everybody. You're a carrier. Will you carry fear? Will you carry anxiety? Or will you carry the hope of Jesus Christ? Say, let it flow. We've got to let it flow. We've got to let hope flow from us to people around us. We... Uh, in our neighborhood, we, when we moved in our neighborhood, we prayed that we would have influence in the neighborhood. And so we wanted to have a house that a lot of the neighborhood kids would want to come to. It wasn't until COVID that we actually realized there's actually kids in our neighborhood. Because, I mean, there was just no relationship. And it's interesting how it took something like COVID for us to realize how important relationships are. So the kids all started to play. And over the last year they've I mean it's just become our house has become the house that people are walking in and out of the kids are walking in and out all the time and we've kind of committed that my wife and I committed that we want to have a house that's not we're not worried about it being all perfect all the time we just want a house that's welcoming of people they can come in and they could experience hope and we can have some we can have some influence and so the kids have have all um just kind of come in and out of our house. And we had this one kid that is going through a lot right now. There's some stuff happening in their family. And the other day they were there at our house. They said, you know, I, I really just like your house. And this person, this, this kid spends quite a bit of time. Like I said, there's, there's something they're going through. It's kind of difficult right now. And they said, your house... It all, when I'm here, I always feel peace. Now, that was interesting to me because I feel like my house is kind of chaotic. I have four kids, and you add all the other kids coming in and out. I mean, it's like, it's insane. I'm going to be honest with you. It's, it's kind of the opposite of peace. But what this person felt when they're there is peace. Why? What were they, this, this child's too young to really articulate what they're feeling but you know what that child was feeling hope because when God is inserted into a situation it doesn't matter how chaotic it is there is hope there it doesn't matter how many kids are running out it doesn't matter how loud it gets it doesn't matter that my three-year-old's running around throwing pillows everywhere that's that's reality when that child is there they feel God there and they experience hope You're a carrier of hope. 
You have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. You have the Holy Spirit residing inside of you. When you walk, you carry hope. When you go to work, you carry hope. When you come home, you carry hope. Wherever you go, you carry hope. Every conversation you have, you carry hope. What will we do? Let it spread. Let it flow. Let it flow. Because we hope contagiously. So the third thought is this. How do we, why is hope overflowing patiently and persistently and confidently and contagiously? The reason is this, and this is point three. Is hope overflowing is a living hope. It's found in a person. We can have hope because our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in a person of Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful for, can we just take a break, just a moment and just say thank you Jesus for who you are. Thank you God for sending your son Jesus that I don't have to put my hope and my trust in this world. My faith doesn't exist because of what COVID is or isn't doing or what this economy feels like or this election process looks like. My hope is in a name, the name of Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. The one sitting at the right hand of the Father right now, praying on our behalf. Our hope is a living hope. A hope that conquered sin and death. A hope that came to save you and I. It says in 1 Peter 1.3, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is what we celebrate in this Christmas season. John 1, 14 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. So God didn't just tell us he loves us, but he demonstrated his love by sending Jesus Christ. The living hope. Romans 15, 12-13, our foundational verse, and again Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up. One who will arise to rule over the nations. In him the Gentiles will have hope. May the God of hope fill you with all peace and joy as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The God of hope. He's not just someone who gives hope. He is hope. And when you put your trust when you put your faith and when you put your hope in him, you will not be shaken no matter what comes at you the rest of this year. I talked to people recently that have said, I just, I shouldn't make it to 2021. This is a really hopeful um, moment, but 2021 may get worse. Listen, if we're waiting for a day to change to have our hope, then what are we hoping for? 
what, what is it that is going to be different between December 31st and January 1st? I'm not here to, I mean, you know, that's real hopeful. Let's just pray and get out of here. Now, our hope's not in a year. Our hope's not in a time change. Our hope's not in a government system or a president being elected. Our hope is found in the living hope of Jesus Christ who came, born of a virgin, so that they're not born, so he wasn't born into sin to live a sinless life in your place for you and for I because we can't do that of ourselves. We're all born into sin and to go to a cross to defeat sin and death, to die on a cross for you. To go into a tomb, for the tomb to be, the stone to be rolled away, to walk out three days later defeating sin and death. So that you can have hope, real hope, found in the living hope. Can you stand with me as we worship him? Father, we lift you up and we thank you for who you are. We worship you. Jesus, thank you for coming and dying for us. You are our living hope and we worship you. Amen. Once again, thank you for joining us today for this week's message at Victory Church, where we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond themselves, and be transformed. The only way that can happen is through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this ministry has impacted your life in any way, we would like to invite you to partner in giving towards this ministry. You can do that by visiting our website at victory.church give, or download our Victory Church app and select give. Once again, thank you and God desires for us to live life to the full.